Hello, everybody! It's Ricky and Andrew here with the very first episode of the Terribly Entertaining Podcast, where we're going to take you through the wonderful journey of movies that are so bad, yet so good at the same time. One of my favorite, probably my favorite genre, for lack of a better term, of movies. Um, Again, here's my uh, co-host here, Andrew. Hello! (laughs) And uh, today... For episode one, uh, we're going to be taking you through one of my all-time favorite movies, probably close second to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1993 classic, Airborne. And let's see how this goes. This is the first go-around on this podcast. We're coming in cold. No rehearsal. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So... Uh, Andrew, this is has never seen this movie before. I've seen it probably well over a hundred times. Um, this was Andrew's first foray into this masterpiece, um, so I'm gonna let him start off because I know he has a whole page full of notes. Uh, I, I know there's going to be some continuity issues for Andrew. He seems to be a little hung up on those, uh, and he'll take you through those. But uh, just uh, real quick, again, this is our first episode. Um, we plan on uh, doing a weekly podcast. Um, every week, every other week, we're going to choose a movie. So next week, Andrew will get to choose his uh, his choice, and we'll go through it. Uh, we hope to, in the near future, have guests on the show as well, um, take suggestions. Maybe the guests will pick a movie that neither of us have seen. We will go through it, decide whether it's actually horrible or if it's just so bad that it's good. Um, so that's kind of where we're thinking here. We're just going to have fun here. Uh, not take anything too seriously obviously if you've seen this movie before that we're talking about today it's quite cheesy but nostalgia wise uh, I love it great movie one of my favorites again I think it's a masterpiece young Seth Green young Jack Black Shane McDermott's only movie he's ever been in probably he wanted to go out on top so I don't blame him Uh, but with that said uh, Andrew take it away my friend Let's start by saying that this is neither Jack Black or uh, Seth Green's like coming out party. This wasn't the movie that everyone decided they needed to cast them and everything else. So they just happened to be here. But um, yeah, I had never seen this movie before. Maybe I did when I was younger. I was, what, six when it came out. So um, it was very interesting because as soon as this started, I watched it two days ago. It was just 90s all over the place. The the music, the extreme sports montage with the waves um, and the rollerblading, back to the surfing. Um, I, I don't even think we got to the first dialogue in the movie for, I don't know, what, 30 minutes? No, it was less than that. But um, <laughs> It's not there will be blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, it's pretty wild. It's, it's a 90s movie. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. They're trying to make uh, rollerblading look cool, but they're both wearing like really big shoulder, uh, <laughs> not shoulder pads, uh, <laughs> elbow pads, elbow pads and helmets, knee pads, yeah. uh, helmets and, and all that stuff. So they're being very careful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this movie came out in 1993. The tagline on the poster was the world's only rock and rollerblade movie, which I'm sure there was a reason for that. Uh, the budget was $2.6 million, which I thought, how could you make a... <laughs> Uh, how could you make a movie on that small of a budget? And then when the movie was over, I was like, wow, they must have had like $1.8 million left over. Um, You're missing two more taglines because they couldn't they couldn't just have one tagline in the movie. They had to have three. Well, so the, the other two, Mitchell became the most – no, this is all on the same movie poster. 
Mitchell became the most popular guy on earth once he took to the sky. Heroes aren't made. They're airborne. When did he take to the sky? Boom. When he was on the half pipe, when he was rollerblading. Come on, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> that made him one of the most not... Not the, the popular people. That... No, no. One of the most popular guys on earth, according to the tagline. Oh, my God. Not just Cincinnati, not California. The whole planet Earth. Well, you were right about continuity issues. That shit ruins a movie for me. Like, <laughs> like if, if somebody's watch is showing, like, 8 a.m. and then the next scene it's showing, like, 6 p.m., that would ruin an entire movie for me. I, I'm very big on continuity <laughs> because I pay boy, very close attention. Boy, are you doing the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that's going to be a common theme throughout all these movies. Well, I mean, it's going to be material for me to complain about, so it, it should serve the purpose of what we're trying to do here. But Fair enough. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we start with, with the, the plot of this movie, and we got uh, Mitchell Goosen, who, amazingly enough, you've got a guy named Mitchell Goosen, and no one refers to him as Mitch or Goose in this entire movie. And we're going to need to find out when Top Gun came out, because... If Top Gun came out before this movie and no one called this kid Goose, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> let, let me take a look. Top Gun came out in 1986. Yeah, yeah. That's just fucked up. Like, <laughs> unless Mitchell Goosen was like the director's grandfather that died in World War II or some shit and he was just trying to throw the name in there. Makes no sense to me. Um, so anyway, uh, did you want to read a synopsis of the movie just so everybody gets the gist of what this was about? Oh, of course. Obviously. So Mitchell Goosen's a California teenager who loves to surf and rollerblade. When his zoologist parents are given a grant to work in Australia, they can't take Mitchell. So they send him to Cincinnati, Ohio to stay with his aunt, uncle, and cousin Wiley, who is young Seth Green, who will be his roommate for the next six months. Andrew, comment? Hello. Um, next, next six months, comment? I have a problem with that. I, I don't know if we'll go over it. All right. There was a point. No, no, no. We'll wait. The diner scene later in the movie ruins the whole six-month thing. <laughs> At his new school, Mitchell gets on the bad side of the high school hockey players, so he and Wiley endure weeks of torture from them until they all must learn to get along and team up to beat the central high school rivals in a competition known as, I'm sorry, a competition down the devil's backbone. Yes, a couple of uh, city streets in Cincinnati, the <laughs> devil's backbone. Um, so one of my problems with this movie is time of day and time of year. So they tried to film this in like winter, I'm guessing. But whenever they or the, the movie was supposed to take place in the winter. But whenever they ended up filming it, I guess that's just what they went with. Because so Mitchell comes home from rollerblading to find his parents complaining about him and they tell him that they're going to Australia for six months to uh, research their what are they paleontologists or something zoologists zoologists they're going to check out the Australian wombat Um, so Mitchell first thinks he's going to Australia because he's such a big surfer and uh, oh yeah I forgot you you sent me a picture of your notes and you wrote the wombat and i couldn't remember the australian wombat i forgot about it until just now yeah so this kid goes from thinking he's about to go to australia to surf in some of the best surfing in the world then he finds out he's going to cincinnati to live with his aunt and his uncle um so a huge kick in the dick for for good old mitch goose and uh (laughs) 
So then he flies to Cincinnati. He goes to Cincinnati, and uh, it's in the middle of a blizzard um, to kind of set the tone that this is taking well, place in the winter. To set the scene also is dead of winter, blizzard, Mitchell Goosen walking off the airplane with his eight-foot-tall surfboard. Yeah, he brought a gigantic surfboard from California to Cincinnati, where I don't know if you know much about Cincinnati. They're actually... The, the surfing's not great in Cincinnati. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, uh, you don't hear much about the Cincy surfing scene. So, uh, I, I, I heard it was, uh, what, the, the pipeline of the north? No? Is it? No. <laughs> a lot of waves. Yeah. A lot of waves. Um, so, yeah, he, he brings his surfboard just for the payoff of having that scene later in the movie where he waxes his surfboard just to surf on a bed. Um, well, he's having da- a daydream, yeah. Yeah, it's a daydream about the uh, the waves. But anyway, so this is where we first see a good old Seth Green who pops up in a leather jacket, uh, aviator sunglasses. I think he was wearing a beret. Yes, he was. And I wrote down, does this motherfucker think he's in the Black Panthers or something? Um, he looked ridiculous, but... Later on, he lost the glasses and the hat, and then he just looked like a middle-aged menopausal woman. But anyway. Well, uh, well, hold on. Okay. We'll get to it. But there is a scene right before he goes out on his big date where he tries on a whole bunch of clothes. Yeah, and uh, none, of them, none of them are good. Cowboy, motorcycle outfit with a motorcycle helmet. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who's planning on watching this if you haven't seen it. So uh, just picture that in your head. Type I feel like... I feel like watching it uh, after hearing our commentary will actually make it better. Um, That's probably the case, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at my notes here. So he, he gets back to his aunt and uncle's house, and he, they do a close-up of the uncle's license plate, which says my other car, or the frame says my other car is a Zamboni. So they're trying to set this up as, like, Cincinnati's some sort of hockey town. <laughs> Um, Hockey which Town, it is, USA. You didn't know that it, was uh, Cincinnati? Which it is not. Well, so what were your first impressions on uh, on Wiley and, and his parents? Oh, man. When the first time I saw this movie, I can't even begin to tell you when I first <laughs> saw this movie. But, I mean, they're just they're just Midwest cornballs. I mean, it's basically what it is. Like, Wiley's like this corny dude that no one, you know, the nerdy kid at school that everyone picks on. His parent, his father is just a complete and utter nerd. The mom has just thick Wisconsin accent for no apparent reason. Um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much the gist of it. That's what I got. So the father was just like a goofy goofball nerd, whatever. But the mother, having such a thick Wisconsin accent, made no sense because they <laughs> don't. You know, that's not Ohio. Um, you know, she's like, "Oh, hey, how are you?" Um, but don't don't re- burn the oleo <laughs> or oh, crap. Um, she refers to her husband as father, and that bugged me the whole movie, like over and over again. Um, and there was even one point where um, she was getting frisky. Um, <laughs> I'm playing Twister. Yeah, she she said uh, she said she's feeling frisky. She's like, "Hey, father, you want to go play Twister?" Um, <laughs> Man, maybe re- playing Twister is like a thing, like a sex term up in Wisconsin. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe if it is, then hey, she anybody listening, said, <laughs> anybody listening from Wisconsin, let us know. 
Yeah, because if it is, then she basically said in front of her, uh, in front of her son, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna go fuck your father now." Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna go fuck father now. Yeah, I'm gonna go fuck father now. Like this is some sort of uh, like a Mormon commune or some shit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we get there. And what happens next is what I think is the first day of school, which is one of the many, many things that make the the blizzard in the beginning of the movie um, feel out of place because they go to class and everybody's introducing themselves um, like it's the first day of school. And also, if you look out the windows, there's no snow on the ground outside. So um, they definitely film these things like six months apart. But uh, anyway, why don't you do a rundown of what was going on in the classroom uh so you have the classroom everybody's introducing themselves all the girls are kind of fawning over mitchell including the i, I would say <clears throat> the antagonist in the movie jack but i don't know that he is i get i think blaine probably more is um but i guess jack could kind of be in there um <clears throat> the big jock you know the the cool guy in school his girlfriend he's hitting on her she's trying to hit on mitchell Mitchell's looking at another girl, Nikki, who you find out later is actually Jack's sister. Um, everyone's kind of, you know, making fun of the cool surfer dude. Jack Black says some corny shit. I for- honestly forget what he says. Uh, oh, he calls him Bra. That's right. Yeah. Mitchell calls him Bra, and then Jack Black, his character, Augie, goes on for the next ten minutes about him calling him a piece of uh, underwear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jack Black is kind of in this movie just for... Like yeah. witty and goofy one-liners at right. the end of scenes. Yep, and then you have the hockey players. So you got the two twins with their hockey jerseys on. You got Rosenblatt, who's got a busted-up face. Um, and then Jack, obviously, is a hockey player. Um, so they have a ice hockey game coming up against the preps to finally decide who's better, them or the preps. Now, keep in mind, this is not a sanctioned official hockey game. This is a random high school in Cincinnati that just so happens to have a full ice hockey rink in the high school and they're just playing pickup hockey with no rules no, no line changes no line no changes refs. no refs no rules nothing Lots just of a clutching and grabbing. just a fucking no holds barred <laughs> hockey game for no reason in the middle of this goddamn movie well imagine how surprised i was because when they were in the classroom and some of the guys were wearing the jerseys and um i was like thinking i was under the assumption that this is an official ice uh, high school hockey team yeah. and they were about to play like their rivals the prep school or some shit but it ends up just being like a vendetta of five yeah. dudes against five dudes yep just beating the shit out of each other no rules nothing so uh during the game game starts mitchell's in the stands watching wiley's in the stands watching uh one of the players gets injured and uh Jack calls upon Wiley because I guess Wiley used to talk some shit and say how he used to play hockey and all this stuff so they kind of call his bluff bring him on the ice he looks like a complete asshole his pads on over his clothes doesn't know how to skate nothing and he gets absolutely shithoused I mean he just gets run over by like four guys out cold uh, so then Mitchell has to take his place and Andrew is Mitchell good at hockey no, Mitchell, uh, the goose, as I like to call him, uh, he's not good at hockey. <laughs> well, which is which is funny because later on in the movie, there's a roller hockey game where he looks like fucking Wayne Gretzky. So, yeah. anyway, game's tied, coming down to the end. Puck comes to Mitchell skates. He takes a slap shot, and he scores. He goes crazy, 
And the prep team goes crazy because apparently he scored into his own net. Everyone wants to beat the shit out of him now. All his teammates hate him. They all want to kick his ass. And over the next couple days, he gets hazed pretty badly. You know, I forgot to mention when they first went to uh, Wiley's house. um, Now, this is... You're, you're just going to make fun of me for how uh, I nitpick things. Here we go. When they go into Seth's room, Seth Green's room, Wiley, in the basement, my first thought was, I don't think his room would be approved by the local zoning board. How's he getting that <laughs> when his hundred Halloween lights catch on fire? <laughs> oh, um, but I just I, I don't want to miss any of my notes. And then when they got to the school, quick brush up with the Latino gang, which was just to uh, just to introduce um, Snake. Yeah, Snake, who says that uh, – what is it that he don't like speech he likes collecting knives and putting tattoos across the heads of dudes he doesn't like right um so so and then also yeah so you're picturing you got all these people you got seth green you got all these for for lack of a better term toasty white kids and all then wearing you have, flannel by right the way. flannel hockey jerseys <laughs> and then you got snake yeah mix hispanic mexican i think he said he's mexican uh just all of a sudden this kid just plays is like a hockey superstar it's, it was like it was a requirement in the right, 90s and i don't right. think john leguizamo was available right it's just bizarre it's absolutely bizarre but he's awesome he's great at hockey um so <clears throat> next coming days mitchell shows up to school and he's just getting harassed uh sand in his locker <clears throat> taking a shower they take his clothes he's taking a shit for some reason, the toilet paper is on chains above the toilet, and they wet all the toilet, all the toilet paper. So now poor Mitchell has to walk home with probably the worst case of crank ass ever. Um, and then he gets home, and instead of, I mean, I don't know about you, but if, I mean, I'm fully willing to admit I have crank ass. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when you have a bad case of swamp ass, the first thing you do when you get home is not sit on the floor. You go wipe your ass, right? Well, I mean, my problem with this scene is that he obviously couldn't wipe his ass because they ruined the toilet paper. So was this the only bathroom in that high school, number one? Nowhere else he could go? And then he gets home, like, and, and just doesn't go right to the bathroom. He just sits on the floor. He sits down in his swamp-ass situation. Like, who knows what kind of dump he had? Hey, you, you know what? Maybe we're not giving old Goose enough credit. Maybe he had one of those ghost dumps. Maybe like he shits he, like a goose. Yeah, maybe shit's like a goose comes right out, no wiping needed, and he was fine. I don't know. But here, um, but here's the here's the biggest issue. the The aunt comes over and thinks he's on drugs for some reason because he had a bad day at school. Does she yell like heavens to Betsy? Yes, or something yes. Like that? Yeah. <laughs> and then now, keep in mind, still has the swamp ass, still has crank ass, still hasn't wiped. Oh, your parents sent the package for you. He runs downstairs and there's a package with his rollerblades in it. Now Swamp Ass Mitchell goes out rollerblading through the town with definitely shit in his pants, for sure. Oh, absolutely. But this was quite the rollerblading extravaganza oh, because God. every every kid he passed in town had a skateboard or a bicycle and they followed him and did their own tricks until until the magic staircase where they were just like, good job, Mitch, we'll see you later. Yeah, they were all fist um, pumping and waving to him. And uh, now, I'm drawing a blank here. Did, is that when he went to the rollerblade game? No, no, no that wasn't. Okay, no, no that no, wasn't. No, no, but no. it is it, it is where he became the coolest kid on earth. Well, though. yeah, obviously that's where he learned to fly. 
Yeah, no, because next we got the, the scene at the Botanical Gardens right. where he and uh, Nikki go on a date. Yep. I know, so, you, I know you have some issues here, too, so I'll let you take the lead here. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got his, uh, his pads and his, um, his skates over his shoulder, and they go to the Botanical Gardens. There's no one else in this place. And he just starts playing tricks on her, and then he, he throws on his skates, and then I don't know where his pads went. But uh, he was skating in circles around there. No one else was in this place. It just made no sense. But it, it was the first time they, uh, I guess, kissed and... Then she got on the bus to go home, which I don't know how she got there in the first place because he found her like wandering down a park path. <laughs> um, so it just seems like this movie, they set these scenes up without worrying like how they got there or where they're going to go from here. Right. So they, um, so they had like a plot board where it was like, all right, surfing, like pictures on like a cork board, surfing, rollerblading, hockey, rollerblading, devil's backbone, we'll get to. And then they have like those little pins with string in it like all right how are we going to connect all this horse shit well they definitely did but with 40 minutes of the like action <laughs> sports scenes um it's not even that much dialogue in this movie jesus christ but uh the next scene i had a problem with was at the diner um one of the prep guys was doing what i call the sex assault dancing um, where he was like grabbing Nikki and uh, the other girl, I forget her name, and uh, like forcing them to sort of dance, but while bear hugging them. Um, it was very uncomfortable. It was almost as, as uncomfortable as Jack made me earlier in the movie when Jack's girlfriend was hitting on uh, Mitch and he Jack told Mitch that the girl was his property. So we're describing women as property now. Well, in the uh, 90s, you could. 28 years ago, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> But so the diner scene is where I, I got my biggest continuity problem. And well, look, his parents are gone for six months. And after the whole fight in the diner, he gets on a well, soapbox. Well, yeah, hold on. So so the fight in the diner is Blaine is trying to dry hump Nikki. Mitchell stops him. Doesn't want to fight him. Jack comes in. All of a sudden, we find out that Jack is Nikki's brother. Now, Jack wants to beat Mitchell's ass. Mitchell doesn't want to fight anybody because Gandhi would roll over in his grave. And now comes the speech. He gets on a soapbox about it. He doesn't give a shit about any of this stuff. But he says, I've been here for three weeks, and you guys have been picking on me or whatever, and I only got three months until I'm out of this place. So while his parents are supposed to be gone for six months... Uh, good old Goose just laid out a timeline of, of three months and three weeks. And that's not even close to the timeline they were trying to set up for this movie. It just bothered me so much. Um, I don't know. but so, uh, so now everyone thinks Mitchell's a bitch for not fighting. Now the next scene is there is a roller hockey, the rematch of the preps versus the public school kids for whatever they're called. Um, so there's a roller hockey game. So for no reason, not ice hockey. Or it's roller hockey. Roller now. hockey season. So Mitchell goes there uh, without a hockey stick or anything. He just rollerblades down there to check out, see what's going on. <clears throat> um, and then he decides to play. He picks up a stick and he's fucking Wayne Gretzky, skating circles around everybody, scoring goals. And then after he scores the goal, Blaine absolutely lays him out. And Mitchell just stands there again like a little bitch who doesn't want to fight. All the all the public school kids are telling him, we got your back, we'll fight, come on, fight him. And he just kind of 
slowly skates away and Blaine's making fun of him. Uh, and then comes my favorite part of the whole movie, which uh, if you see the title of this episode, you'll know what it is. <laughs> uh, so he slowly skates away, backs up. <clears throat> Nikki's mad at him for again not fighting. And he's just kind of standing there staring, watching the watching the face off, not saying anything. And he has this look of, I don't even know, confusion on his face, I guess. And then he smiles, and he slowly skates over to Blaine, and he pulls his pants down around his ankles. Blaine falls over, his pasty white ass is up in the air, everyone's cracking up laughing. Jack Black's character's on the ground pissing himself laughing. And then the twins come over and deliver the best line of all time. And they say, chocolate stains, Blaine? <laughs> Makes me laugh every time. Absolutely. I was just dying laughing I was just amused time. that we got to see a full bare ass in a PG movie. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, now all of a sudden, Mitchell's a hero to everybody. Uh, and the preps are trying to chase him. And he, you know, rollerblades away like he's a his professional skateboarder, a rollerblader. And he goes home. Back to his aunt's house. Yes, and uh, yeah. So I mean, this this movie, I I don't know. So it's first, it's an unsanctioned hockey game, then it's like a, a roller hockey game in the middle of a car park, uh, and then later we move on to a, a rollerblading race, which right. is is probably the the uh, climax of the movie. But after uh, the goose pantses the guy, uh, I forget everybody's names. I've only seen this movie Blaine. once. Blaine. Yeah, Blaine. They all come over. The hockey team comes over to his aunt's house to pretty much tell him that they love him now. Yeah. Uh, they literally the, put him up on their shoulders. Yeah, and the aunt, uh, I just thought when she asked if anybody what a grape Kool-Aid, I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, and then I had a note that Jack Black said the word shit in a PG movie, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, so they no, came what over. What Jack to- Black actually says is, shit, man, we're really sorry. We just had you figured all wrong. And that was strictly <laughs> from pantsing some guy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just because he was able to pants somebody, he's now one of the cool kids. Yep. Um, so, but they came over to deliver the news that they were going to settle this once and for all with the prep kids with a race down Devil's Backbone. And um, Wiley almost faints and says, yeah. and I quote, Devil's Backbone, the last guy that even tried to walk down there was so messed up for weeks. I had to look this up. And I'm going to look it up again now. I feel like Devil's Backbone is famous for something else. Like, uh, Devil's Backbone. What is it? Oh, it's a brewing company. It didn't exist back then in Roseland, Virginia. Maybe that's where they got the idea from. Did you ever think of that? It's possible. Um, but the Devil's Spine can also be found on the western side of the Sierra Madre mountain range in Mexico. But anyway, um, so this this race was pretty much the climax and the whole point of the movie. And, and I had a lot of problems with it. Um, I mean, first of all, let's remember these kids don't have social media in 1993. I don't know how they figured out where to meet up when, what was the starting point of Devil's Backbone, which just looked like a random hill in a suburb outside of Cincinnati. Um, and then some old lady came out of nowhere with a flag, and that kind of caught me by surprise. Um, but my biggest problem with this is Mitch has only been in Cincinnati for three weeks, as he has declared. Um, and in that time, I doubt he's been uh, rollerblading on every street in and around the city. I don't know how he figured out the, the route of Devil's Backbone, because... 
right. there's, some inter- there's a lot of intersections and turns and twists and then they get into the city and uh, and he knew where to go the whole time. Made made no sense yeah, to me. So Devil's Backbone is a series of hills that take them all the way through, and it ends just past. I believe that's Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. Um, and so the race was the team with the three guys to f- pass the finish line first wins. Um, so you have Snake, who's a rollerblading, ice skating, ice hockey gang member. Um, Ends up winning, uh, coming at first, along with two other preps. <clears throat> and then you have Mitchell uh, in this race, and he gets slingshotted by the two twins, and he goes and he jumps over a moving vehicle that's coming straight at him. Just you up pretty high too. Yeah, jump right over him. Um, so he catches up with Jack. So now it's Mitchell, Jack, and Blaine. And all Blaine has to do is cross the finish line, and they win. But as you can see coming from a mile away, it's not going to be that simple. So, of course, Mitchell is in the lead of the three. Jack and Blaine are wrestling. Jack goes flying down and busts his ass up against the wall. Now it's just Blaine and Mitchell. Blaine, instead of just finishing, tries to hip-check Mitchell into the river and goes, uh, as Andrew would say, uh, ass over tea kettle into yes. the river. Um, and Mitchell, instead of just finishing, turns around and is like, you know what, I really want to bang Nikki. Let me go back. Let me pick his brother up. We'll cross the finish line together so we're buddies now and I can bang his sister. And that's I'm just is. I'm just <laughs> amazed at Devil's Backbone. I mean, part of the route goes through people's yards, um, <laughs> yeah. a parking garage. Right. Well, that's like, that's because Mitchell got lost, so he was on the top of the parking garage, <laughs> and he somehow managed to find a flatbed truck that was perfectly ramped where he could jump off and land on and slide at exactly the time that Blaine and Jack were 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 skating by. Well, then I get to the finish line. There's like a hundred spectators. How they knew what day and time the race was, I don't know. Um, Probably beeped each other. Yeah, they may have. Uh, yeah, they may have beeped each other. You're right. 1993 <laughs> was uh, beeper time. Um, and that was the end of the movie. They can't. No, no, no. Mitchell and Nikki kiss. Yeah, but uh, that was it. Like. Okay, he's still only there for another three months or three weeks, depending on the timeline <laughs> that they were going with. But they, they obviously just had no ideas for the end of this movie because it all of a sudden, instead of becoming accepted by these hockey players or uh, what was the goal? Was he to be accepted? Was he to love Cincinnati more than he loved California? Was it the girl? Because if it was the girl, dude's leaving in three months. So what's the point of them kissing at the end of this movie? Well, they're never going to see each other again. Well, um, maybe they were hoping to set up a part two, and then Mitchell Goosen, um, what's his name, uh, Shane McDermott decided, like, you know what, guys, I think we nailed it on this one. I think I'm going to go out on top, and I don't want to do another movie. Yeah, I'm going to go start a family in Galveston, Texas, or something <laughs> like that. Um, so uh, that's, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I just I thought it was an abrupt ending. I, I had a problem with it. It didn't really wrap anything up. Yeah, so you know, it's not a it's not a movie where I'm going to tell you to go watch it, and you're like, "Holy shit, that movie was amazing!" It's more like '90s nostalgia, something that you know you've seen before. Uh, but it's it's fine. I like it. I you know I've seen it so many times. I love the movie. 
I know other people like it too. I know when I mentioned on our Twitter uh, what movie we're going to be watching, and I got bombarded with people telling me that uh, <laughs> they love that movie. Uh, they can't have watched it in forever, and now I'm going to go rewatch it. I know two of my friends are rewatched it like the other day again. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I love it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know your feelings on it, but I think it's. I, I think it's a great movie. Oh me, um, it, it's not something that I'm ever gonna uh, like purposely watch. I think if it's somehow on TV, I, I would probably stick around and watch it. It was entertaining enough. Um, because you, it's entertaining in the way you're just like, oh my god, look how cheesy this is! Like this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't like so bad that I would refuse to watch it. I think it's entertaining. Um, it's very '90s nostalgia, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, and then reading through the the notes, the budget was 2.6 million. They grossed 2.8 million. So good for them. They were at least <laughs> able to make their money back. See? Um, and uh, yeah, worldwide, it grossed 2.6 2.8 million. Could you imagine what the the hype was for this movie in like Europe or something? No, zero. <laughs> I bet you, I bet you, 2.75 million of that was in the U.S. Yeah, like definitely. half a billion dollars they made in Europe. <laughs> oh God! Well, it, yeah, it, it so... is six point three out of ten on IMDb. So you know you got that. I mean, let's not look at Rotten Tomatoes. Um, we're gonna. Uh, well, sometimes cool. when we talk about so bad it's good, I expect to see a rating of like two point five, three point five. So I was surprised <laughs> while I was watching the movie to see IMDb had a had a pretty decent score for it. Funny you should say that because the Rotten Tomatoes score I believe is two point one. Yeah, because that takes into account uh, the consumer, not just critics. Right. So critics in the 90s were probably, like, okay with this movie, like, uh, that it's satisfactory. But then on Rotten Tomatoes, people continue to watch it and just point out how stupid it is, how nothing makes sense. Like, this movie doesn't know what time of year it is, what time of day it is, what season it is. Um, Interestingly enough, I'm, I'm on IMDb right now, and they have rating by demographic, and... For all ages, it's a 6.3. For males, it's a 6.2. For females, it's a 6.8. They probably thought... uh, Mitchell was hot. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, (laughs) In my notes, I referred to him as this Jack Hughes-looking motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) But he was just like the stereotypical California kid. He said he didn't want to fight because Gandhi would roll over in his grave. That just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's a lover, not a fighter. Make love, not war. Apparently. And all the girls are going nuts over him. They're having daydreams in class about him in his underwear. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was quite, absurd. It's quite a trip, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that should pretty much wrap up uh, episode one for us. Um, again, you know, just like, like we said in the beginning, um, if you guys are have any suggestions for us or any criticisms or any movies you'd want us to watch or anything in particular you want us to talk about in terms of you know breaking down these movies uh we're always available you can reach us on our personal twitters uh but the uh, account the twitter account for the podcast is at te movie pod um and this will probably be out tomorrow we're aiming to uh get it out weekly probably on Thursdays um, should be available pretty much everywhere. Uh, Anchor, but it'll release on Spotify, Google Podcast, um, wherever you Apple if we can Apple, figure if it we out. Can figure it out. Um, yeah, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, you'll be able to listen to it. 
Um, and if you've made it this far <laughs> and listened to this, we really appreciate it. And uh, we hope you tune in next week. Uh, so thanks for stopping by, Andrew. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this. This is a lot of fun. And if we can get anybody that suggests uh, movies and we decide to do the movie, we're considering having those people on as guests to talk about it. So it's not always just going to be us. And um, next week is my turn to pick a movie. And I picked Zombievers, uh 2014 uh, horror movie that's so bad it's good. I would say um, I would say cult classic, but I had never heard of it before, so... I, you know, to be honest, I, I don't even know many people that have seen this movie. Like, no one I've ever said Zombievers, and the the best response I've ever gotten was, yeah, I think I saw that. I mean, um, I watched the first 30 minutes of it. It was interesting, to say the least. I mean, it's it's one of these movies that's, like, purposely made to be bad. Like, you yeah. know, on purpose, having no budget sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, there's boobs in it, which was a nice surprise. I wasn't expecting that. I texted Andrew while watching it. Boobs! <laughs> I bet you it had a bigger budget than Airborne. Oh, you want to check it out? I'm All looking at right. it right now. Zom Beaver's budget. Just because of the first scene. $1.5 million. That's it? That's it. Oh, my God. That Courtney Palmer, and she's a beautiful lady. Um actually she's the one you got excited about her boobs um yeah got a 4.8 out of a 10 on imdb i'd say um, that. i'd say that i mean i haven't finished it but it's only an hour and like 13 minutes so i'd say that's probably pretty accurate yeah it's uh, a fun weekend turns into madness and horror for a bunch of groupies looking for fun in a beaver infested swamp and just think of all the beaver jokes you could possibly come up with they're in this movie oh yeah they are so we'll um, do that next week yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, oof. You, uh, you know what? I'm sure you haven't looked it up, so I'm gonna have you guess real quick. Okay. What do you think the domestic box office draw was for Zombievers? I mean, I would be surprised if it was even in the, the theaters. Um, two million. How about fourteen thousand nine hundred and forty-seven dollars. <laughs> it must not have been a uh, opening a weekend did eight thousand dollars. Yeah, it must have been released on in like one theater. Uh, ten actually. Ten, okay. Ten opening theaters, eleven max theaters. And you said what? Eight thousand uh, dollars. Opening weekend was eight thousand dollars. Yes. It's eight hundred bucks per theater. Um, that's, that's not, terrible. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> it's not great, Bob. All right. Well, let's so talk anyway, about yeah, that. We'll talk week. about it next week. Again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye bye.